Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. <laughs> and we have these beautiful waterfalls of 80, 100 meters tall so, uh, that we will need to just rappel or uh, swim down or swim upwards. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of different. We will have a, a, so many different uh, ecosystems. Okay. You people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Dark Zone 75 coming at you. Thanks to our friend Javier Bereda of La Ruta Madre for coming on the show today. Listeners, it is summer 2023. Venture racing everywhere going on all around the world. Three months from today is the Venture Racing World Series Championship in South Africa. We had a great Endless Mountains, all the coverage we brought you. Other races coming up down the pike. We have Nyars, Faroe Islands coming in August. Team Dark Zone podcast will be there. It's a six-day race. We think could be longer, could be shorter. We'll find out when it happens. Thank you to all of our fans for your strong response to our episodes. The feedback keeps coming in. Clearly, the Dark Zone is enjoyed by a lot of adventure racers. We're happy to be of service to the community. We're glad to have Javier on. Talks about his race in the beautiful Monterey section of Mexico. We are delighted that you are here. Keep racing, keep training, and enjoy yourselves. We're blessed to have adventure racing in our lives. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy talking about it. Go get them. I'd like to also mention the Dark Zone's charity partner, Ascend Athletics. We are proud to support their mission to empower young women through mountaineering-based leadership training and community service. All of our listeners are encouraged to visit ascendathletics.org to learn more about Ascend and their work in helping to develop leadership and resiliency in young women in Pakistan and Afghanistan through fitness, mental health, community service, and mountaineering. Please note that Ascend pays nothing for this mention. We just love the work that they do and are happy to spread the word. Be sure to check out their website for some upcoming activities that anyone can get involved in. Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. Today we are joined by Javier Barreda of La Ruta Madre, Mexico's toughest race. La Ruta Madre is an adventure race being held, obviously, in Mexico this coming November. He's been producing these races for years. This is his longest race to date. Uh, Javier is reaching to us from across the internet. He is at his home in Mexico. We're delighted to have him on the podcast. Javier, thanks for joining us. Glad you're here. First question I want to toss out to you. How did you get started in adventure racing? What's your origin story? Thank you, Brian. Well, yeah, my name is Javier Barreda. I live in Monterrey, Mexico. It's in the northeast part of Mexico. And how did I uh, begin in these sports? I remember when I was a child, when I was a kid, I, wa- I used to watch Echo Challenge in the 90s. So I was a kid between 8 or 12 years old, and I watched with my grandmother Echo Challenge uh, in Discovery Channel. As everybody of you know, you know what is Echo Challenge in Discovery Channel. So 
Yeah, uh, that was inspiring for me. After that, I entered the Scouts, the Boy Scouts Association here in Mexico. And after that, when I was 18 years old, um, I entered a, monta a, a, a mountaineering club. So in this club, they I was uh, I was first in mountain biking and cycling, like road cycling, mountain biking, and triathlon. But the team or the club from mountaineering, they invited me to make together adventure races here in Mexico. So when they, they invited me, I just remembered uh, Echo Challenge from Discovery Channel. So yeah, of course, this was my opportunity to, to leave what was an adventure race. And I started racing. I remember my first adventure race, we won the first place. It was in Chihuahua, it was around 24 hours. And yeah, it caught me. Like I fell in love of adventure racing. I lived, and I, yeah, I, I, I felt what 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 was uh, racing an adventure, an adventure race. After that, after that, I raced a little bit more of races. But then, in Mexico, all of them stopped. Like all of all of the adventure races stopped around 2010, 2011. They were stopped. For many reasons, for, for many reasons, maybe uh, maybe money is investment, support, lack of support, and also maybe safety matters around Mexico. We had a, a this phase of on safety matters, so yeah, all of the races were stopped. Uh, after that, in 2016, I had a surgery. I was in bed, like just. In rehabilitation, and I had a crisis because I couldn't go to the mountain, couldn't go rock climbing, couldn't do mountain biking, couldn't go hiking, and whatever. So I started imagining and creating an adventure race. If there were no more adventure races in Mexico, I wanted to organize it. So that's how I started uh, La Ruta Madre. The first year of La Ruta Madre was in 2017. So for me, it was a uh, a one-year period when my idea started and then when the race uh, happened. What was the uh -huh. distance? What was the distance for that first race you put together? A hundred K, hundred kilometers. Yeah, hundred so, K. So from your hospital bed, you imagined it. Next thing you know, a hundred kilometers, putting a full race together. And how did that first race experience go for you? It was uh, one of the one of the best experiences in my life because because of two things. I was, we, I had uh, two partners. We were three, a team of three. We were in bankrupt. Like we really, after the race, we were with no money. Like, like really <laughs> well, That's a perfect welcome to adventure racing, right? right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The old joke is if you want to make $2 million, if you want to make $1 million as an adventure race promoter, start with $2 million, right? Exactly. <laughs> See, <laughs> yeah, so we were in bankrupt. Uh, but my personal, my personal feeling or my satisfaction, my personal satisfaction was like really, really, really good, really great. So I wanted to do more. In fact, my first two races, my first, um, the course of the route of the race, I imagined it and I just draw it in a napkin. Okay. Like in a napkin, I started uh, drawing the map of here of our mountains here nearby. 
and just started like drawing where to go, where to do mountain bike, where to do canyoneering, where to do rappelling, where to uh, run or trek or whatever. So that's how my first years started. Uh, just drawing a map uh, in a napkin and that's it. And that's how I started. Well, that follows. We we hear uh, so many adventure race directors and promoters are, are adventure racers who have done many races, seen a lot of things, and they live near an area in which there's mountains and there's water and there's topography. And they say, you know something like I go I go here to race. I go to these places. I go far away. But right in my backyard is a spot. And I want to show that to people also. So what was the name of that range? Was it in a Chihuahua? Like, where was it? Where was it held? Uh, in Monterrey, Mexico, just okay. in Monterrey, Nuevo León, uh, there's a national park called uh, Parque Nacional Cumbres de Monterrey. Cumbres means summits, so it's uh, Monterrey Summits National Parks. National Park. So, so what is the general terrain there? Is it like when I when I think of Mexico, I think of two things: I think of jungles and I think of deserts. Desert. Am I, yeah, am I hearing no. that? Is it all? Is it desert? Is it dry? Mm, it's a little bit of desert, but there are more wet canyons. There are a lot of waterfalls. There are a lot of woods. Our the highest point in altitude is three thousand six hundred meters. Oh, that's, that's that's the real deal. Okay, meters. So yeah, you can have a headache, a little bit of symptoms of altitude mountain sickness, a little bit. Uh, yeah, but we have a like a lot of woods, a lot of pretty mount. Oh, there are those mountains are really steep, like really, really, really steep. Gotcha. So straight up, straight down. If, yeah. If we want to cross over the mountains, uh, you need to hike up a lot, walk down a lot, and maybe around between 1,000 and, 1, and 1,500 uh, meters of level gain. Got it. So, that's, so that's, that's, that's pretty steep. Yeah, pretty steep. Mm -hmm. So when, Go ahead. Sorry. And between the mountains, between the mountains, we have a lot of canyons. Gotcha. Okay. And we have, a, I think our our mm, popular sport here in, in Montreal, Nuevo León, or how Nuevo León is the state, how Nuevo León uh, defines outside from Mexico mm -hmm. is for is for wet canyoning. Wet canyoning, okay. Which we see a yeah. lot in New Zealand, right? That's that's, that's yeah, like yeah. basically it's it's dry suits, it's it's repelling, but you're through the canyons down through the water. That's it. That's it. And, and also like Isla Reunión. Can you remember the world champions, I think, in 2018? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like Isla Reunión, a lot of friends uh, have been there in Isla Reunión doing canyoneering. I gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And that was, that was the island that was basically, it was French owned. That's where the world championships were. They had that huge, in, on, on, on Reunion Island, they had that huge trek. I think it was yep. stage one or stage two of the race. <laughs> there was like, yeah. it was a hundred K trek and the pictures were just, they were, they were, up high and then they were down low inside the, uh, the inside those canyons and they had to do some canyoneering they had to get down that the waterfalls were very challenging very slick so it mm -hmm. sounds it sounds like to me that in, in monterey that it's a really challenging terrain it's really it's it's a it's a it's a hard place to do a race and hence yeah. the title you have la ruta madre mexico's toughest race so you're yep. saying right away that this is a this is a, a difficult place to come and come and do adventure racing yeah it's a pretty difficult uh, place and also um comparing for, uh, to the results or times in another races here for the terrain is kind of slow you cannot go pretty fast neither in the in a mountain bike or running or whatever because the, the terrain is pretty stiff pretty difficult so 
for example, here, 100K, the first places, and they are from Canada. Mm -hmm. Canada people from Canada have been here, and they do around the best uh, times have been like 19 hours, 20 hours. For, for, for 100K race? For 100K, yeah. Okay, okay. So running uh -huh. 60 miles takes them that much time. Okay, so they're not flying. By the way, the Canadians, amazing racers. Right? Yeah. Any sport, anywhere, Canada just... <laughs> they, they they crush the Mexicans. They crush the Americans. They just yeah, it's amazing, right? God bless you, Canada. Our our, our friend, our friends to the north. They're really they're something else uh -huh. in every race. And they, so they, the, and so you grew you grew from this early race. So 26, 2017, you put the race on. You said you were bankrupt. Like I said, yeah. welcome to adventure race directing. But <laughs> clearly, you took a lot out of it. You 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 found a sense of purpose in it, and so you kept on doing the races. Year two, how many races did you put on? Only one race. I, okay. I I do only one race per year. Gotcha. But on on, on the second year, I did fifty k, hundred k, and two hundred k. Also, one race with three different distances built into yeah. it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And what and what and what disciplines did you have? You mentioned that you mentioned the canyoneering, right? You mentioned with the wet canyons. I'm assuming mountain biking, trekking. Yes. That is now. Do you is there are the canyons navigable with boats? Do you bring boats into those canyons, or is it mostly trekking? We have a lake. We have a lake, so we have kayak. Okay. We have done also uh, spelunky, caving. Okay. Uh, we have done also a lot of things: uh, rock climbing, slackline, highline. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You do it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it is like a, a highline, like really short and easy, not like a big. Yeah, highline. not like fifty meters across, no, and no, you're, no, you're, you're no, nine hundred feet in the air. 20, 20 meters of highline. <laughs> for, the, for the for the spelunking, it sounds like you know where you see those kinds of canyons, you see caves. Is it full blown caving sections where they're traveling through, coming out the other side, or they go in and punch and come back out? Both, both, both. of them. Yeah, both and so of them. How long do those sections usually take? Because caving for a lot of people, present company included, caving is one of the more challenging aspects of the adventure racing. How long? How much distance? How much time do you usually spend underground? Not that much, maybe. Around an hour. An hour, okay. Which is like 59 minutes too long for me. But I hear you. I hear what people <laughs> might, people might yeah, want to do. Yeah, yeah. An hour in the caves. Now, do you May require any special qualifications for this? Like for the, for the, do you require them to have a certification on climbing or on slacklining? Or can someone come down and do the race with minimal experience? Anybody can come. Anybody, anybody can do it with minimal experience. Uh, I know that in other races around the world, they ask for certifications. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, but fortunately here in Mexico, we don't have a lot of certifications that certifies people that they are good enough or experts in some disciplines. Right. So yeah, everybody can come. I just ask them that they need to read a map and compass. They, they need to know how to use a map and compass, of right. course. Of course. Uh, but they don't do it. They don't take it seriously. A lot of a lot of people just come over. They don't know how to read a map, and they just get lost in the first three four hours of the race. They're like, "We'll figure it out. Don't worry." And off they go into the woods, and you see them a day later. Yeah. Uh -huh. In fact, also rappelling, they mm -hmm. must know how to do everything by themselves. Gotcha. Like use the the safety line, use their descender, uh, put right. the rope, etc. Yeah, there's a, and, there's a, okay. And also first aid. That, gotcha. that I, I asked them to know uh, first aid because I have a rule 
that if someone needs help and another team doesn't help that team right. or that person, they get disqualified. Right. right. But but if they help all the time that they uh, put in the in this help, they will get it um, back. A time credit. A time credit at the end yeah, of the race. A time credit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up, right? Because with adventure racing, we, we did a race one time, um, a pretty significant sea paddle. And in the pre-race captain's meeting, one of the captains said, is there a safety boat on the water? It was a big ocean paddle. And the race director said, well, yes, there's a safety boat. But because there's four of you, two kayaks, you're each other's safety boat also. So to your point, they have to be able to self-rescue, right? You have to have some ability to take care of yourself and to take care of another team, right? And I think that's a big part with adventure racing. And, and to your, your point, while there's no required certifications for to come down there, you tell them, listen, you're gonna have to repel. You have to use, you know, and you have to use your own equipment, your own safety gear. So be prepared to do all of that. Do you find um, a, a very common dynamic we see um, in many of the races that I've observed, that I've watched, I've talked to people about, that people who have no experience want to give it a try and just show up. Do you find the same thing with your races that people like they might be triathletes or marathon runners and they just figure I'm going to take a weekend and go try this sport out and they just they just do the best they can? Yes, uh, yes, it is common to, to find uh, these kind of athletes. A little bit, a few of them have good results. Mm -hmm. They finish, maybe they can finish in the first places. They were lucky about uh, using the maps and navigation, navigating in the woods and the mountains. But maybe a lot of them, they don't have these good uh, results. But in this year, specifically in these years, two months ago, three months ago, I just started uh, an adventure training. So I started a group with another uh, two coaches. Okay. And, and we are coaching people how to do adventure racing. So I teach them how to navigate with map and compass, how to do rappel, how to, uh, I don't know, give first aid to someone, uh, rope ascending, all the techniques. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other coaches, they give uh, all the physical part just to prepare for taking a long trek or- uh, The nutrition, the food, the sleep, uh -huh. taking care exactly. of your feet and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I will put, I'm looking at your website right now. I am gonna put a link to the website in the show notes. Um, a lot of a lot of good video on your website. I noticed on your website here. I'm looking here. There's at least um, nine to eleven videos just from the different from the short films they had. The North Face came down to a piece on Lauderdale Madre. So uh, apparently a very very popular race. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, and so and we'll get to the longer race in a little bit. But before we get to the big race, you guys are putting on this coming November 2023. I definitely want to ask you about your experience with adventure racing because not only are you an adventure racer and you're a director, you mentioned when we were chatting before we started recording that you were a volunteer at Eco Challenge Fiji. Is that correct? Yes, is yes. that correct? Yes, so, that is correct. So, so Eco Challenge Fiji, which was you know was was released in August of, of 2020, July, August during the pandemic, it was it was great for us at home to, to watch that experience. As someone who went down there and someone who saw it from behind the scenes, what were your big takeaways? What did you learn about adventure racing from watching those racers and that experience? Mm. I learned a lot from the racers from New Zealand and Australia. What did they teach you? Ooh, how to take care of their how to take care of their feet. Like where they were like be, between them, just taking care, cleaning, and massaging their feet. And whenever they could, they entered to swim to a river. 
just take a a quick shower in the river, then get out and continue biking or running or whatever. Really? Was, uh, that, was, that, was that to cool themselves off because they were so hot or was it because for cleanliness? No, cleanliness, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe maybe just to recharge. Refresh themselves a little bit. Yeah, refresh, but maybe recharge. Like maybe I, I was thinking like maybe they wanted to have some energy from the nature. Mm-hmm. And then just continue. And they just keep rolling. How were, yeah. they in the, how were they in the transition areas? Really, really fast. Really efficient. Like, really efficient. They were a good teamwork. They had a good teamwork. Like, each one of them knew how to move, knew how what to do. They spoke a little bit. They, like, pretty few words. That's it. Every Each one of them... Move, take, cook, eat, clean, um, whatever, and then go. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot, a lot of teams psychologically they see the transition area as a rest stop, and <laughs> and 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 the Australian New Zealand teams don't see it that way. They see that as another discipline. Like they run, they trek, they paddle, they transition, they yes. run, they try, they paddle. Well, they don't act as if we're going to stand around for a half an hour talking. Mm-hmm. No, nope. they were just few words, maybe quiet, and that's it. Few minutes and go. And gotcha. there were and there were another transition areas that they had four hours uh, stop, but but in these four hours they were cleaning themselves, massaging the, themselves, cooking, eating, changing clothes, going to the river, just to refresh the, themselves. Yeah, come back and at three fifty nine. They were ready to start. Yeah, no fooling around. Yeah, you know, it's, it's true. Like a, a friend of mine says, if you do a 12-hour race and if you waste five minutes an hour, you've given back an entire hour of racing. Uh-huh. Right? So so don't waste that time. Stay efficient and keep moving because you fall into that trap of thinking that, you know, a, a big race, eight hours, 12 hours, 24, three days, five days, you think you have all this time. But in reality, it adds up, you know, and, and we see it all the time in races that it comes down, you know, a 24-hour race has come down to the final 30 minutes, 20 minutes where teams are literally racing each other to the finish line. So that's a really good lesson for the, for the newer listener. The dark zone is all about the newer racer. Right. And so the fact that transitions are their own separate discipline to do now, what's the reverse of that? When you were there, what, how did you see teams that weren't so efficient? You know, they could have wasted time, but we know that what other mistakes did you see teams make that you would, that you learned as an adventure racer yourself to avoid and either as they were racing or as they were moving through a transition area. First of all, the importance of knowing how to navigate. Right. Because, as you know, in the worst of a race, Eco Challenge Fiji, uh, there were a lot of new racers that they were they were Ironmans or triathletes or mm-hmm. marathon racers, etc. They didn't know how to to read a map, but still, the course of the race was kind of easy. It was not that difficult. Yeah, I heard but, that. I heard it was long, but the navigation wasn't too challenging. Yeah, yeah, pretty easy. Like, really long, like, just go straight. You won't get lost. But in a few places, that the, um, these places were kind of difficult. They get lost really easy. Gotcha. Yeah, when they shouldn't uh-huh. be. And when you layer on uh-huh. top of that some fatigue, they're tired, they're hungry. You know, we both know that when those things come into place, the mistake factor gets a lot higher. 
right? You start yeah, making errors it. two, three days in, you never would have made previously. Um, the rest, you, the rest ex Exactly. So how did you like the scale of the race? I heard there were helicopters and cameras and people. <laughs> was it a big production? It was like huge production. It was like, yeah, a really, 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 really huge production. Uh, a lot of money, like a, a, a lot, a lot of money. I was impressed about all the production, the, the, the amount of people working in there, the amount of the crew of the staff or the volunteers or the, yeah, people just working around. Uh, it was like a big scale. Yeah. My race with a, with a small budget, <laughs> like, uh, like this budget, that budget was like, <laughs> Exactly. Massive, right. Yeah. They spend yeah. it. They spent like in one hour what you spend in like a day. No, <laughs> right? no, no more than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and also I think the other part of that too, and I encourage people to take a look at the race. And if you look at Eco Challenge Fiji, it's great to watch and it's over on Amazon Prime. But if you go through YouTube and if you look at there's some uh, behind the scenes vignettes of the crew, the people that do it. And if you think the adventure races are tough, think about the the, the camera people, the men and women who carry the 35, 40 pounds of camera equipment and they carry it for days on end and they're going as fast as the racers are going, taking care of the equipment. There was that, the great part in, in Eco Challenge when Estonia was in the canyon and the water came up and they yeah. happened to have a camera person with them. And that person mm -hmm. was able to capture some pretty impressive video. Those kinds of things really are something else. So, uh -huh. so I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you, I'm glad you had a good experience at Eco Challenge Fiji. You know, it's the, First things first, and I, I don't know if Mark Bunet is a, is a big fan of the, of the of the dark zone. If you are, Mark, love you. Keep up the good work. I'm ready whenever you want to give me a call. The um, <laughs> There was talk of the you know, Eco Challenge Patagonia, right? When that came out, they, they were going to cast on that, and then that kind of just fell apart. It wasn't renewed. It wasn't picked up. But there's a part of me that hopes that this uh, the increased resurgence in adventure racing that we're seeing in America and around the country and the World Championship is going into East Africa this year. And we have our great five-day races in America, like Endless Mountains is back again for round two from Rootstock Racing. Like it's your five-day race is coming up. Like there are people that want to race that want to be out there. And so it'd be great if they were, if that were to get picked up again, because you could feel the sport gaining some energy. Um, mm -hmm. Now, speaking of energy, so you've been, you've been directing the race since 2017. It's now 2023. Coming up this November, you have a 500-kilometer race. I know. Is this yeah. your longest race ever? Yeah, it's my longest race. Uh, the one before we, I organized a 250k, that half distance. Um, but yeah, the 500k is my longest distance organized. So yeah, it's it, it is a challenge for me, especially because I entered to the World Series, the mm -hmm. ARWS, yep, yep. as a demonstration race. Yep. So I, I feel that the amount of work and responsibilities behind me are increasing like a lot. Well, that's a big leap, right? And, and so for the listener at home, just so they know, ARWS is Adventure Racing World Series. I'll put a link in the show notes to them. They host a variety of, of races around the world. And there's there's regional races, there's national championships, there's a, there's a world championship, like I mentioned before, is going to be in Africa this coming October. A 500-kilometer race, which is roughly a five-day race, there are two tiers of those. There are the standard races. Like I said, I, I mentioned Endless Mountains. There's Expedition Oregon, Huera um, Sinche down in, down in Ecuador. Um, and then there are races that are demonstration races. And what they are is that they are races that are basically five-day races, 500 kilometers, but they're, they're, they're held under the auspices of ARWS. And if they do well, they're promoted to being a regular race the next year to be a standard of five-day uh -huh. race. 
A qualifier, so, a qualifier a, race. A qualifier race. So this year, your demonstration race, which puts a lot of pressure on you, right? Because you have to show off for ARWS. You have to have a successful race. Yes, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So in, in putting that race together, in the in the designing of the race, in the general design of the race, how are you approaching that to make it a 500-kilometer race? Because you don't just want to do there's, – there's a couple of philosophies, right? One is just longer and stronger, right? Keep the same amount of, of, of legs but make them longer or have more legs built into it. What challenges do you want to put together for the racer? Ooh, a lot of challenges, especially – uh will be in the highlands high, highlands uh high altitude okay like more than 3000 meters we will be in desert parts like pretty hot weather mm-hmm. we, we will be in cold water doing canyoneering wet canyon uh, a lot of steep terrain mountain biking and hiking and walking etc and they must not get lost <laughs> because if they get lost, they will end in another place. Right, right. Because it's, it's a massive landscape, right? It's it's a huge park you're going to be in. Right? Yeah, so it's, a really it's, huge park. Okay. Okay. So clearly, so you're taking off navigation as being a, a key component, obviously, right? It, navigation will be the, a lot of terrain travel. You'll be now that when you say you're in the deserts, is that sea level or, the, or are they still pretty high? Mm. Near sea level, yeah. Near sea level, so that's so a lot of altitude gain, a lot of up, a lot of down. Yep, a lot, a lot, a lot of it. Yeah. So, so what is that area? You've mentioned the the altitude, and you've mentioned the the canyons, and you mentioned all that. What specifically is that area known for? What topographically? What what really sets apart Monterey as the as a as a as a unique place in which to race? What could the racers expect? They can expect a lot of uh, really beautiful scenery. Okay. Like, like pretty impressive scenery, like a lot of uh, steep walls. Have you heard about Potrero Chico and El Salto and La Huasteca? Yes, but tell us more about that. Uh-huh. Uh, well, here in Monterey, uh, we, we are an international spot for rock climbing. So Alex Honnold and Tommy Caldwell and mm-hmm. Sasha Giuliani and all of pro climbers, rock climbers, they come here to Monterey to do rock climbing during the winter. Why? Because we have special places, a lot of places with steep walls and also uh, a good weather, good climate. Very dry. Very dry, yeah. Well, dry, yeah, the weather dry, but we have wet canyons. Mm -hmm. And and we have these beautiful waterfalls of 80, 100 meters tall uh, that we will need to just rappel or uh, swim down or swim upwards. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of different. We will have a, a, so many different uh, ecosystems mm-hmm. uh, from woods, mountains around three thousand meters, from waterfalls, from hot weather, cold weather. <laughs> so, so, what are you not going to have? <laughs> right. So probably no, no snow, right? Most likely, right? I mean, no snow. That's good that we no can snow. check that off. No yeah. snow. What else won't you have? It's going to be, it's going to be, the weather is going to be hot, cold at night. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the temperature change like? Look, what we won't have, snow, sea. Okay. Like we, 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 we don't have a sea nearby. Gotcha. Okay. We won't have a long paddle uh, legs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because we only have one a small lake. Gotcha. Okay. 
So the part of packing uh, or stand-up paddle will be short. Gotcha. Only okay. that. Uh-huh. And what else we won't have? Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds like it sounds like the racers are going to get pretty good bang for their buck to come down there. And that's a lot yeah. of that's a lot of things over five five days, five hundred kilometers. Now, if someone were to come down, where do they? What's the, what's the travel like? Do they fly directly into Monterey? Yeah, directly Monterey. Monterey is a big city. If you maybe don't know, uh, Monterey have between four and five million people. So our our airport is international airport. And we have a lot of uh, direct flights uh, to US, gotcha. to to San Diego, to New York, to Los Angeles, to uh, a lot of Chicago, etc. Houston, I'm sure. I'm sure Houston flies. Yeah, flies Houston, yeah, Miami Dallas, comes all the way there too, right? They come in there. Miami, right there. So yeah. the travel really, so it's, it's basically one flight possibly out of the US right into Monterey. And if you're coming through, if you're coming from another country, you can connect the United States or go directly into Mexico City and then jump a plane from Mexico City into Monterey. Yep, that's it. That that's correct. And I'm, if you worry about uh, safety matters, I am saying that correctly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we don't have any more that around here. Maybe in the border of Mexico there are some matters, but here in Monterey, in our state, in our region, in our national park, nothing about that. Yeah, I leave that. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm glad you point that out, right? Because because very often in the, in the in the Western press, in the North American press, Mexico gets a bad rap, right? They focus on the border, they focus on those challenges, but you know, there's there's dangerous parts of America, and we shouldn't just talk about them all the time, right? And to your point, that there's beautiful parts of Mexico, and that people can come down there and have a great time, right? And of course, they don't, they don't yeah. need to, you know, it's, it isn't all it isn't all craziness and nuttiness that people can certainly fly in the Monterey and enjoy themselves and have a good time at the race, and it's a safe place. And I I, I appreciate you reinforcing that to the to the listener because that's an important thing to make um thank you thank you too for reinforcing that (laughs) so now um so have you had any any international teams sign up yet or mostly still mexican teams mostly mexican teams but right now i have a team from us also another one from ecuador and a bunch of or or from a bunch of them from canada uh, latin america U.S. like a bunch. I am referring that they are asking for uh, information, how right. to register, uh, doubts, etc. Gotcha. And I'm assuming too, like we, we did a race one time down in Ecuador, and Santiago put a great race on there. Um, fantastic. And I think the World Championships are actually going back to Ecuador in a couple of years. Um, the experience we found is that when you fly internationally to go do a race, whether it be Ecuador or whether it be Scotland or, or anywhere, that the race director recognizes that the person is traveling a distance to make it to the race and gives them special consideration, like helps them out in terms of finding travel, hotels, all of those things. Now, I noticed that there's a, is my correct that there's a host hotel, that you're, there's a spot where we'll be staying? Okay. Yes, 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 yes. There's, there's a host hotel. Uh, I will include a transfer from the airport, from the airport to the hotel. So yeah, my, my staff will go for you for all the foreign teams. Uh, what else? The hotel is a pretty nice hotel, a, a big, big, big hotel. A lot of a lot of things to do around there. So it sounds like you have those logistics too. Like when you, you know, it's it's a weird thing to go do a five day race away from home because you fly somewhere, you stay somewhere, then you have to leave all your stuff behind for five days, mm-hmm. and then come back to it hopefully five days later. Working out of a host hotel most likely means that there'll be a spot where store your stuff here, put your bags yeah. in the corner, we'll keep an eye on them for you. And you come back fact, five days later, they're all waiting for you. In fact, I will take all those uh, things to the to the finish line. I got you. Okay. 
And in the finish line that is in another place, they have showers and uh, some place to rest and take food, etc. So all those uh, stuff or bags or whatever, they will go to the finish line. Yeah. Which also so, too is it's the um, I noticed it's, it's 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 in November. It's the weekend before American Thanksgiving. And yeah. so, so a team could come down there, could could race, could wait a few days, and then they'll be off the Thursday, Friday before they come back into. Uh, they have to be home, so they could someone could put together a good two a two week trip to come spend some time down there and do the race. Hopefully, hopefully. One thing I must I must say, I am estimating or calculating that a first place will do five days of wow. racing. Okay. Yeah, a first place. So are you? But, so are you? Are you at one hundred and twenty hours of racing? Overall, and you're you're so one twenty is the total time. You're expecting the number one, the, the first place team to come in at that time, or a little bit earlier? No, 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 no. The total time will be seven days and a half. Oh, so the race is seven and a half days. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay, <laughs> I'm thinking a five day race. It's a seven and a half day race. Holy now cow! The, the five days are, are for the first places. Oh, okay. So it's November 16th to the 25th. So it bumps right up against Thanksgiving. That's yeah. fascinating. Holy cow. The, the 25th of November, there will be the, the, the finish line, the ceremony, the closure, the party, everything ends, etc. So so you're so you're thinking right now that a seven and a half day race, five days for the winning team. Uh-huh. That's wow. it. Holy cow. That's a big, that's a that's a bear of a race. That's a lot. That that might be one of the longer races we have. Most races run at five days. So I, I apologize for assuming five days. It's gonna, uh-huh, be, uh-huh. it's gonna be over a week out there. Yeah, over a week. Yep. Uh, so yep, look, at, look, look at the money's worth. <laughs> I don't want to go in back group again. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They have to enjoy themselves and come to the race. How many teams yeah. total are you looking to? Are you going to cap it at? Ooh, I, I I put a minimum. This look maybe ridiculous, but I put a minimum of six teams just to okay. make it happen. Sure. Right now, I have I have th- six teams. Okay. So it will happen. Uh, but I am looking or, ho- or or wishing to have between twelve or twenty. If there if there are more, of course, that will be great. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, but but to your point, you've set the you set it from a you could run it with six. So you have enough teams to run the race now, as a matter of fact, and you could add on top of that. And that's not uncommon. I mean, there are, there are some first year races that are big that run with nine teams, eight teams, seven teams. That that's just the way that it is. And it gains mm-hmm. traction over time. Now you pick November. Now November is an interesting time to have that race. Was that a requirement based on the international schedule? Is that a weather requirement? Like why is it in November? Why November? I will change it for the next year <laughs> to Holy Week, but I will later explain that. Why November? Because here in summer, it, it, we have like pretty high temperatures. Uh, November it's cold, but not that cold. So we can have maybe during the day uh, 20 degrees Celsius. During the night, maybe around five Celsius degrees. So it's cold, but not that cold. So November is a, it's a good time, a good weather. We have good weather. Uh, also because, because we have a holiday here in Mexico in November. So the, the race is held in this holiday, Mexican holiday. Gotcha. But I am thinking and planning that for the next year, uh, we will change the date to to Holy Week. Maybe around March or April, depends on which year, but yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, because if you put it put towards because it's interesting how calendars work, right? So you have that you have the holiday there, then you have the the holy week. More people could travel, right? So for you, it requires people to make those because it gets hard. Those those five to seven day races get challenging because people have to take time off from work and they have it's a, it's a big commitment to go. And if it's a seven day race, you're really gone for two weeks, right? Because you have to you need you need two or three days to get to the race, a day to prep, and then you need to get home. So it's a, it's a, it's a two week commitment on top of everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's wow. it. Wow, exciting stuff, Javier. Holy cow. Yeah, the ARWS are asking me to to shorter shorten the, the race. Right. And I need to figure it out how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, will there be live tracking during the race? Can we follow along from home? Yeah, I am looking for uh, the tracking, um, the tracking uh, thing. The only thing is that we don't have a cellular mobile signal in the mountains gotcha we need we need to use gps Got, okay so i am looking for a sponsor that can sponsor these uh gps trackers or tracking because yeah, it requires a lot more you have to change the batteries over get, the, over seven days that's going to require a lot of that's the, the teams have to care for their own trackers yep which yep. i saw that when i was in ecuador we were surprised that our, our trackers battery ran out and the race organizer says we'll put in new batteries we didn't know we had to bring batteries for the trackers. We didn't realize that. That's not common in America. So we had to do that. Um, uh -huh. what, what do you think, having, you know, raced yourself, Eco Challenge Fiji and now La Ruta Madre, the teams that come down and are successful and have a good experience, we've mentioned a lot of the big things, right? Transitions, training like that. What are the little things that teams have to pay attention to, do you think, to have a good experience? We have here a lot of trails uh, that are made from animals, cows or whatever, mm -hmm. or from the ranch from the rangers or ranchmen mm -hmm. so there are a lot of trails so they can get lost pretty easy so just put attention between all of the trails that are around and use well the compass the map and just go to the in the right directions yeah, yeah in the so, right so, way. You're, so you're saying and that's been seen i've heard that from other from races in other countries especially races that are in rural, that are in rural countries because of because of cow paths and travel there's trails everywhere right so it's mm -hmm. not like in some parts of, of of some countries where it's like there's one trail and you walk on it so you have to be really thoughtful. so you say navigation is going to be huge for that like the, clearly they have to be able to navigate well yes yes okay. yes also because our vegetation is a uh, pretty pretty uh full how very do i thick. say very thick very thick yeah very thick yeah mm -hmm. so what you can you you, uh, you cannot uh see or watch around pretty easy yeah there's no big features you can't really walk uh -huh. off like there's that mountain there's this so you're you're basically in the, now so you would call it jungle travel right mm -hmm. so obviously so, so you got to stay so you're gonna people are gonna be wet they gotta work on staying dry their their feet are gonna get wet uh-huh uh -huh. we don't have a jungle we don't have jungle but mm -hmm. yeah the vegetation is pretty thick is there anything about the race that i didn't ask that you want to tell me about mexican people we are like really nice people friendly people warm people so my race staff, they are really happy and willing to receive you, to host you, to help you, to be your friends during this one or two week period. And I say you like from the truth that my race staff, they want to, 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 to have you here and just to share with you these few days, helping you and, and having a great moment with you, just being there, like helping in the uh, checkpoints uh, and watching you like racing and and enjoying our our Mexican mountains. 
adventure racing is very often international, right? You can race in any one of 13, 14 places around the world and all the smaller races, regional races. And it's, it's, it's interesting how for race directors and race organizers, the, the race itself becomes um, a message to the world about the area, right? So whether you're racing in Africa, you're racing in Asia, whether you're in Central South America, North America, whatever it is, the race director is inviting people to their home. Right. This is where mm -hmm. I live. Come enjoy it. And so they're desperate to have it be a great experience for the person who's coming to visit. And what on top of that, adventure racers don't go to the typical areas. Right. So you find yourself in smaller villages, meeting people who normally don't see a lot of tourists. The dark zone stories are filled with that of people who come across tea houses in India and they can't do enough. Yeah. Of them. Or they come across haciendas, you know, in Mexico, I can't do enough of them. And so your point's well taken that the the, the racer who's going to come do your race is not only going to get a racing experience, but they're going to get a cultural experience that they wouldn't get otherwise. Of I, course. I, I catch yeah. correctly. And, I, and, and it's not lost on me. I think the point you're trying to make, too, is that very often Mexico and Mexicans are, are some suffer from with some reputation in terms of it not being a place to be that safe. You know, you really reinforce the fact that that, mm -hmm. that your staff really wants to show a face to the world that runs typical to a lot of the narrative you read about Mexico. And yes, you, want, yes. you want to show that off, right? Yeah, because Mexico has a pretty um, bad reputation about safety matters around the world, but we don't have that in our in our right. home. It's someplace in, else. That's another part of the country. Someplace, yeah, in the border between U.S. and Mexico, it's kind of far from here. But here, like, I have ten minute drive, and I I, I enter to the national park right. where the race will be held. So I just drive 10 minutes and that's it. I go rock climbing and mountain biking and whatever. Uh, and yeah, I enjoy that. And every day, every week, every weekend, I go there just hiking and camping or climbing or riding or rappelling, whatever. And and for next year, I, I would love to go to a race between 300 and 500K. Gotcha. Where... First of all, in America, like or Canada or US or Latin America, mm -hmm. uh, maybe two of them, maybe one in the North America, maybe one in the South America. And, and that's why I want to show, like, go to those places in the North, in the South and tell all of the people, like, I am from Mexico, come over, look what we have. We have a lot of videos. You already mm -hmm. saw them, watch them in the, in the website. So yeah, so I need to I need I also need to go outside and and show show me. Right, right. You have to go. Right. You have to you have to be a, a, a host. You also have to go oh, be a traveler. Yeah. Right. You have yeah. to do that also. <laughs> Putting on a, a multi day race is not easy. Not easy. Yeah, not easy. Not 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 easy. not easy. And also, I wanted to say that this year I will have uh, different distances. Five hundred k. That is the part of the World Series. Mm -hmm. 200K, that will be part of the North America Regional Series. And the time, it will be around 48 hours. So you so you, so that you can, can get an idea of how our, our terrain is. Also 100K, 60K, and 30K for the, for, for the newbies. And what's good to point out, too, because as I explained that better, that all of those races take place inside the same time frame. So, mm -hmm. the, so the 500K race is the 16th to the 25th. And that's, that's nine days, but inside of that, where the 200K is November 16th to the 20th, the 100K 17 to 19, and the 3060 is 17 to 18. So you've created like a window of time with all these races inside that window. So someone could come down there and they, because listen, I don't want to race 500, I want to race 200. Yep. Having a, a sense of all of that racing 
from you to set. So someone could actually come down there and join Monterey. And on top of that too, and this is what I encourage people to do if they travel, if you're going to do a shorter race, bundle some time on either side to take a vacation. And mm-hmm. it sounds like Monterey is just gorgeous. It sounds like it's just, it's a beautiful place to come and spend time. Yeah. yeah. A lot. <laughs> and the 200K is around 48 hours. Uh, that is part of the North America Regional Series. And one special thing is that all of the races start together on the 18th, 18th of, the, of November. Got it. Mm-hmm. So Saturday, 18th of November, uh, all of them start together. I, I, I believe that there will be a sense of like pretty good sense of teamwork. Yep. Uh, com- camaraderie, camaraderie. Camaraderie. You got it. Yep. Camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, all of them start together. And on the first day, the 30 and 60K, they finish maybe at noon, at night, etc. 100K on Sunday, 200K on Monday or Tuesday, and the 500K after that. Gotcha. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Gotcha. And you can have everybody, everybody will come back to your house for a barbecue because it's only, it's only 10 minutes <laughs> outside the park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, in fact, yeah. <laughs> oh, also another thing we are the in Mexico we are the national capital of barbecue. Oh, <laughs> here in Monterrey. Well, well, there you go. I, I could I could hear the Americans now running to the internet to register. Very nice. Yeah, we oh. will, we will do a big barbecue for all of you. Well, well, Javier, I appreciate you you coming on the dark zone. You've done a great job talking about your race. Your 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 passion and your enjoyment comes across, and I I hope that the uh, that this helps to spread the word about La Ruta Madre and you know Mexico's toughest race and all that you have going on there. Um, I will encourage any listeners that are, are on the fence about doing a, a big race like this is definitely in the show notes will be the website, reach out to Javier, have a chance to talk with him. Um, I have learned from experience that very often a, an email or phone call or a Zoom call with a race director goes a long way in addressing a lot of those logistical issues about travel and tra- transfers and all of that. So Javier, I'm going to give you the last word. Um, spend a moment or two. Tell us the big thing that you want newer racers to know about adventure racing. If they're brand new, what do you want them to take away from the sport? First of all, teamwork. They need to work as a team, not only by themselves. And also that they can get and acquire a lot of experience, knowledge from a lot of mountain disciplines. Not only be a good uh, trail runner, but also know a little bit of rappelling and canyoneering and mountain biking and first aids and teamwork. Uh, I give I, I give I teach people how to go to the mountain. I give courses about uh, risk management and safety issues in the mountains. I am also a volunteer in the search and rescue team here from Monterey, etc. So I love to, to 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 teach people how to do a rappel, do some knots uh, in in rope, do some rock climbing, do some mountain biking. So an adventure race joins all of this through an adventure race that is La Ruta Madre. I am I am inspire, inspiring people here from Monterey and from all around Mexico to acquire and learn more mountain sports. There you have it, Dark Zone number 75 in the books. 
thank you to Javier. Enthusiasm, loves his race, loves Mexico, wants to showcase it to the world. Folks, give it a consideration. Love to have you head down there in November and enjoy the waterfalls and the rappelling and the mountains and the hills and the hosting and the hospitality. We are blessed to have people like Javier in the sport where he is willing to dive right in and give up so much of his time for the purpose of putting on a big, big race. Check those show notes. All the information is in there. Have a great day. Keep racing and keep training. And thank you again to our charity partner, Ascend Athletics, for all that you bring to young women in Afghanistan and Pakistan. We are proud to support your mission of developing leadership and community service in that part of the world. Listeners, thanks for being here. You have a lot of choice in how you spend your time, and we're grateful that you choose to spend it with the Dark Zone. To help us out, go like our Facebook page and head over to your platform of choice and rate, click, and like. Their algorithm likes that when people pay attention to podcasts. Spread the word. Thanks for being here, and good luck racing, and have fun training.
diga por nombres y señor. 